the end of another busy week at the Bailiwick Express and we've decided to get together and discuss the stories we've been working on. Join me, Matthew Leach, Laura Clayton, Nick Mann and Kit Hanna for a discussion about the topics that caught our attention and how we reported them. So this is it. This is the beginning of our, our, our podcast. I will do it every Sunday, I think. Do you think that's a good idea? Sunday seems like a good day. Are we actually chat? recording it? Well, yeah, we're recording. This is meant to be like we're going. Sorry, we fall into sorry, it. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I just, I just, you're just making an announcement. I think that's a good start, anyway, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Can't trust these. Should amateurs. this be every Sunday? <laughs> Who we'll knows? See, we'll see how this one goes, yeah. I suppose. Um, I, we think this is a great opportunity to go over what each one of us has done during the past week as a kind of like look behind the curtain of what a journalist does in Guernsey. What are the stories that have resonated with each one of us? So we'll bring something to the table, um, whether it be something we've worked on for and has been published, or in the case of Nick, has not been published yet, it sounds like. Yes. So I suppose it makes most sense to go around in a circle, and Kit is right at the beginning. Oh, well, done. well, I'll start on slightly <laughs> heavier matters. Um, Jonathan Latoc was jet-setting around this uh, week, as he usually does, and his role was um, constitutional and um, external relations lead. He was speaking before a panel of MPs this week where he made some various points to MPs um, about the relationship of Guernsey, Jersey and Aldney with the UK. And he basically criticised the chopping and changing of UK ministers, obviously with Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, even Theresa May. It's been like a merry-go-round in Westminster. And even in Boris Johnson, you just had so many people resigning from their positions um, that you're, we've ended up with people in the role that don't really understand um, Guernsey, Guernsey and don't understand what the UK can do for Guernsey. So he reminded them of that. And just a day later, uh, Guernsey took another stride to cement its kind of independence by uncoupling from the king giving assent to laws. So we can bring that all in-house now. We don't have to wait for this council in the UK that's very ceremonial it includes the king and includes various other people hundreds of people actually to basically just sign off our laws so that was uh, that's moved quite quickly this week but the, this these issues have been being talked about for a long time that was brought up in the states wasn't it that was a debate in the states that was the debate so it was one of the few bits of business in the states this week it was an extremely light states meeting so why did that those topics t- take your interest well, because I think, uh, I think it kind of pulls us into the situation in the UK. Uh, we can feel detached, but actually, like Jonathan Latoc said, there is a big issue if you've got people in the role who are supposed to be representing our interests to the UK government or to members of parliament who don't really understand what they're doing. And it, it can create real problems. We saw that in Brexit with fishing. We saw, we're currently seeing that with the illegal migration bill, which Jonathan Latoc said... Guernsey has serious concerns about. So, um, yeah, it, it, it can be dry, but I think it's, uh, it's a major, it's an issue of major importance. So I suppose this week you would have worked on the stories for this. Um, what did, how many stories did you bring about? I got two out of that. So I got one general, him commenting mm-hmm. on speaking to the panel and the following day, which is this, just the proceedings of the States. Another thing that's being added is, or going to be investigated is having privy councillors actually sit over there so this is kind of just reinforcing that getting people from Guernsey from Jersey to sit on this council even though that the um, the sign-off procedure has been kind of snatched away from them but 
it'll be a more local representation without needing a member of parliament because that opens a whole crazy can of worms. Um, but just having that ear on government and that ear on the British state, really. And would that be an elected role, though, for those people to be on I'm not, the Privy Council? Or that, that's something they'll have to work would out. Choose them. Exactly. That, that's, that will all be worked out by mm. them. They'll work out how you nominate them and who should be nominated. But uh, it, it will surely be down to the states. How do they get there in the UK? How do people join the Privy Council in the UK? Do you, do we know that? I'm not actually quite sure. Right. Nick, okay. Do you know? No. Well, when I was reading around the coronation and Floella Benjamin, who I know some of you don't know who that is, no, but because no she had a, an, a role at the coronation, <laughs> I believe part of that role, she's actually on the Privy Council. Oh, so a lot okay. of those people at the coronation that were seen carrying all the various um, regalia and bits and pieces around the ceremonial aspects of the coronation, they sit on the Privy Council. So it's through roles that they've been appointed to through either their professional work or their charitable work and stuff. So it's just how would a representative for the Channel Islands or each island individually be elected? Because you could see um, it becoming, you know, jobs for the boys. If, mm, yeah. you know, somebody who had previously been in some position locally suddenly started representing us in the UK. And then it ra raises all lots of questions, I'm sure, for a number of people about, well, actually, do they really represent us? If it's, mm. you know, the jobs for the boys again. It's also meant to be quite just ceremonial now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It doesn't really yeah. do anything. No. Yeah. One of the first things that King Charles um, signed off at the Privy Council, um, you know, days after the Queen died, um, I think, you know, within a week of the Queen dying, they'd held a Privy Council meeting. And one of the first things that was signed off was actually Albany's election laws. Oh, that's so, so the Charles, King Charles agreed for, you know, ceremonially, or however, um, that 16 and 17 year olds in Albany can vote. Right. So it's one of those things, you don't really mm. even know you what's going through Privy yeah, Council until it happens. And you've, um, so, you've got to think about this process, like the king is not sitting there no, exactly. going <laughs> through like, going, the, yeah, the intricacies of Guernsey's <laughs> yeah, laws yeah. and mm. stuff like that. And that, it's part of the nonsense of the yeah. situation, isn't it? it but it is. It's dark and mysterious and it really mm. shouldn't be um, in today's democracy. It's, no. And, you know, again, like... So how much weight do we put on putting our, our representatives on mm. there? If it doesn't really, we're not quite sure what it means. I think as opposed the, uh, to just like we the have idea is just show off. It's just like an say, image, look, isn't it? we're here. We are independent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we we have a seat at the table. I think Gavin St Pierre is an example of um, some tiny island nations, British overseas territories that have you know less than half the population of Guernsey and have got four seats at the Privy Council. Yeah. Um, and can't even legislate mm. on their own behalf. And it's interesting, yeah. yeah. And yeah. You, you touched on the laws as well, being able to uh, kind of sign those off in Ireland. That has been able to be taken across to Jersey as well, because I know that Jersey's now picking up our our Jersey office is now running a story or looking to investigate a story about doing the same thing over there, because that's not the case there. It's not the case, but I imagine um, I imagine that follows suit very soon. Yeah, especially if we set a precedent. And I mean, obviously the Isle of Man set the precedent. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. go back, it's, it's mm. decades old in the Isle of Man. We're, yeah. we're really late to this this show. Yeah. Um, really late to this show. And also not really happening how we wanted it to either, if I remember rightly. So. No. Does so, anything ever happen the way <laughs> anyone wants it to or the way it was originally planned to Or happen? in the speed that it's yeah. meant to happen. Yeah. Um, brilliant. That's been great. Um, what have you been up to this week, Nick? We, I know we're about to talk about the Island Games, I believe. 
yeah, I think we think we should we should talk about the Island Games because it, it's you know it's rapidly approaching, mm. um, and I've been fortunate, really fortunate enough to be speaking to people taking going to be taking part in the games, whether it's organisers, team members, um, but this week specifically has been like an interview with Jorgen Pettersen, the International Island Games Association president. Um, so we dialed, I dialed him up um, through Zoom. This is a week later. We had a few time zone issues um, getting this interview <laughs> off the ground. Um, but that, that's fine. And it was just such an inspiring talk. Yeah. I mean, He's a great guy. He was, yeah, I mean, Laura's met him in the past as well. Mm. Um, that he took part as a volleyball player in the first Island Games, 1985, Isle of Man. Um, played up until 97, I think it was decided to give something back to the games and on the executive committee now and as president and wow he's got a story to tell got an amazing person to talk to i think i spoke to him once as well when i went over to jersey for their island games last yeah i think i remember interviewing him then yeah. often well, he, people interview him through zoom yeah i mean he'll be here <laughs> yeah. he'll be here for, for the guernsey games won't he so we'll hopefully be able to catch up with him then and find Absolutely, out what he thinks yeah. about it get him on one of these chairs how successful it all goes <laughs> It's just brilliant, and and like you just really get that sense of how important the games has been for all these island communities, mm. and the connections it's made, what sport means for us all as islanders, and how it can drive so many changes. Um, whether that is just developing sporting potential, whether that's developing facilities, family connections, sporting connections. Yeah, it's really really good talk, which will, which I've been writing up and will we'll produce within the coming weeks. That sounds amazing. I, I spoke to because we've we've all got a bit of homework to do on getting our interviews yes. in and our people to talk about in the run up to the Island Games. And I, I spoke to representatives from Alderney this week, and they they had a bit of a knockback with not having the football team come mm-hmm. through. But I spoke to one of the organisers and one of the track and field athletes, and the excitement for it is really palpable. It's like they're super geared up towards it. It's great. I think they're the second smallest island to compete. Do you know which one's the smallest? Is that Sark? Sark. Must be Sark. It is. It it must be Sark. I'm pointing at Kit. Which Kit is responsible for. Kit's from Sark or anything. Kit is the Sark um, correspondent correspondent for Express. I will be speaking to the Sark athlete or possibly leets. I haven't quite worked out who exactly is competing in Sark yet. And... uh, uh, you know, we haven't cleaned that yet, but we'll, we'll, we'll get them, we'll wrangle them down. I'm sure they're equally as excited as anyone and we'll be happy to fly the uh, flag for Sark. It's not often they can do that. No, well, no, they're, apparently their shooting team's quite good. And surely yeah, they're... I, I believe so, yeah. Is dressage part of the Island Games? Dressage is not no. part of the Island Games. No. So, uh, okay. Because <laughs> no. it's, who's the horse, the guy who... Carl Hester. Is Carl he, Hester. he retired from competing now? Yeah, more training. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Training Olympians now rather than competing in the Olympics themselves. Fair enough. Um, And I will do something on Gozo. Hopefully, um, I can't wait to find out what Gozo is or where Gozo is. Before we fly you out, yeah, fly me out to Gozo, one of the Maltese islands, which is the newest island to join the Island Games family. So they're sending over their um, their team this summer, actually following following their the Gozo Island Games Association. Not Giga, which is the Guernsey Island Games Association, but similar acronym um, on Facebook. You know, yeah, they've started, you know, naming their various athletes and the different teams of the various sports. So you can see the excitement 
in all the islands, but particularly for Gozo because it's their first games. So it must be such a unique experience for them. And, and what a fab way of like connecting us as islands as well. Mm. Like would we ever have been talking about Gozo? No, no absolutely not. <laughs> we never, we'd never heard of Gozo. So. <laughs> I didn't know Gozo existed. Last time we spoke about the island when I was, uh, how, was it four? When was the last one? Four years ago. It would have been, yeah, because it was 2019, yeah. pre-COVID. I hadn't heard of Gotland. And so, mm. there was, you know, you learn about all these places and you meet these people who've come from so far away. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm. So, yeah, that's very exciting. Um, Laura, you're going to talk about Nigel Farage. <laughs> <laughs> from, <laughs> from, <laughs> from Gozo to <laughs> Nigel Farage. Okay, so um, Nigel, Nige, was being interviewed by Robert Peston on national television and... As always, you know, he was discussing Brexit and it was put to him that he has previously said if Brexit is a failure, he's going to leave the UK. And where would he go? And he said, oh, the Channel Islands. With that, you know, he didn't even think about it. Um, and it reminded me that he has been to Guernsey previously on a number of occasions, apparently. Um, and he's spoken to Bailiwick Express before to a former colleague um, and told us you know, how much he likes Guernsey and full of wonderful people. Um, and the, so if he wants to move to the Channel Islands, presumably Guernsey would be his, his choice. Probably his list. Um, yeah, so whether locate Guernsey are on that already, we don't know. But I think Jersey have, you know, maybe may quite keen on getting him over there. So, you know, let him, let him make his own choice. Why, why, why if Brexit doesn't work? I think he just said he'd leave the UK if it didn't work. I mean, he wouldn't go very far oh, then. He's going to go. <laughs> exactly. So he doesn't want to go familiar. very far. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but also, I think he had to make all these claims, didn't he, when he was pushing so hard for Brexit? Mm. So, and and also, he will always say, won't he, that Brexit has been a success. He's not going to put his hands move. up and say, actually, this, he, this has been a disaster. That he's now admitted it. I think, he might, I think he might because it's not been done how but, he wanted. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. The idea in the first place was a good idea, according yeah. to him. But it's yeah. not been done but how hasn't he been would done have properly. done it. Great plan, poorly executed. Yeah. yeah. In the opinion of a man who, as we were saying the other day in the office, has never been elected to the UK government and is now actually not anything in UK politics. Yeah, apart what does from he do now? He goes on question time. Does he? He's a, he hosts, does he, lead, he hosts a talk show, a oh, evening yeah. talk show on GB News called Talking Pints. Where he talking pints, talking pints, where he talks pints. and drinks pints. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great idea. Next week, so just got the spitting in his sketch in my head. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, that's exactly that's what it would be. And he has been spotted at the Cornerstone and Cock and Ball Pub in Guernsey. Yeah. So perhaps if he did move to Guernsey, he could start broadcasting live. Oh, how exciting! Those are those would be his locals if he mm. had the choice of so, where to live. Right. Apart from Nigel, then um, I'm waiting to hear, hopefully, from some parents in Herm. I'm really interested in the story about the school because um, education have said it's not about saving money. And actually, when you look at it, the most they've said it will save will be £80,000 a year, which is a lot of money, but it's a drop in the ocean for the States. It really is. Um, but four children in, living in Herm, I mean, it's a very small number of kids and it raises questions about mm. viability of Herm as a kind of like a standalone community if you've only got four primary school age children i'm surprised presumably there's even four. There's well yeah this is it apparently there's been as many as 12 children at school because aren't they all seasonal workers like i, I guess there's there must be some people small, who do stay there I think there's a very small population that live there all year round right um because the hotel and everything are open all year round now yeah, i believe of so um but i just think it's very interesting about the thought of um you know the kids getting the boat to school yeah and the boat back 
Um, I went to school. I think the partnership with Ove at school is brilliant, and I think that's always been very positive. So that's you know got to be a benefit for these children yeah. um, in in both schools. But yeah, I just think the idea of you know going by boat over to the big town every day when you're potentially four years old. Yeah, is is yeah. They might have to set up a new system of ferrying people across. It can't just be on the passenger ferry every time. Well, I mean, presumably Herm's boat, um, the one that's actually owned by Herm Island, presumably that can be more flexible yeah. rather than sitting to a rigid timetable. But yeah, so I've tried, obviously we've reported on that this week and I'm hoping to speak to some of the, the parents will actually be affected. I mean, the children will be directly affected, but also, you know, the parents, I'm sure, have got... Uh, opinions on that um, and also anyone who might have thought about moving to Herm does having a school affect your interest in relocating to such a small island because it is on the website you know benefits of living in Herm yeah that is one of the benefits we've got a small school it's listed or it was listed on on the website um, so that will change till we've now got an agreement with another school on a yeah. boat right Just, away yeah, the water. Exactly, yeah. yeah. lovely in the winter I went to school with yeah. students who were from Sark and they would have to do the commute. Yeah. So it's obviously been done before. I remember secondary school yeah. having students from the other islands. Um, I remember a girl used to come over from Breku. Um, to, to She was at the primary school, but she would get a, the boat over from Breku and then get a taxi. Wow. Up, no to, up mm. to our school. You post families as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, years ago, I'm there used to be the boarding schools at Elizabeth College and Blancheland, definitely at boarding schools. And there were girls from Sark at the Blancheland boarding school, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then when that, when the boarding schools closed, I think a lot of host families kind of took these children in. Um, and I think Herm, Herm students must do that when they go to secondary school now, because I don't think they go back and forward no. every day. So no. it's just all these things that actually, I mean, we live in quite a small island. Mm. But some people but live in a smaller one. Yeah. You <laughs> don't ever consider even living here until it's like, oh, Herm schools, you know, after this summer is, you know, going to be on a trial closure. It's like, well, actually, yeah, how, how does it work when you live on an even smaller island? So more um, to come on that story then. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd, I'd like to do more on it. Um, hopefully speaking to Mary Carey at some point, who is the teacher in Herm. And it's, see, I've never met Miss Carey. Um, she's taught at Herm School apparently for 18 years, and she seems to be universally loved by past pupils. If you read some of the comments on Facebook, you know, lots of memories of doing their nativities and their school plays yeah. and um, lots of Shakespeare um, and kind of drama studies within their very small school so I think she'd have a really interesting story to tell about her memories of working in such a unique environment but obviously she is still in the middle of teaching at the moment I know it's yeah. going into half term week but she is still in the middle of the school term so hopefully we'll we'll catch up with Miss Carey at some point and find out what it's been like being Herm's only teacher with such a small number of pupils that'd be great that's yeah. a great profile piece on a person yeah it'd be definitely. interesting to know how you do a Shakespeare play with four Actors. Primary school. You have to yeah. every place about three different ages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. primary school aged. <laughs> the nativities in Herm have always been very well, um, very highly praised. So she's obviously got a skill there. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Great person to talk to eventually. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I'll finish off. I'll cap off the conversation with talking about, very briefly, um, Guernsey Electricity, obviously. Mm. Um, it's a two-pronged kind of story I've been working yeah. on halfway through. It began earlier in the week and then kind of capped off towards the end and will run over the weekend now. Um, the main story that came out this morning, we um, were notified of it yesterday, so we ran it this morning, was the uh, tariff increase, um, mm. which has gone up to 
quite astonishingly, 13, it was a 13% increase, I mean, which is quite similar to an increase we had last year. Um, it wasn't agreed by SDSB. Gains Electricity originally went to them with about with a 14.2% increase. Yeah. And um, SDSB said, no, you know, we'll, we'll agree to 13%. You wonder how much in reality that saved us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like 10 quid, but, but they can say they've done it. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. That was too hard. They managed yeah. to get them down yeah. to 13%. So that was this morning. <laughs> and um, so that's, I mean, it has been described as unavoidable and has kind of mm. been blamed on a historic lack of funding, um, investing in Guernsey's electricity infrastructure over many, many years. And so now we have to stomach these gigantic costs to be able to keep this base level of investment in Guernsey electricity of about 10 million pounds per year to make sure they can maintain all the infrastructure in the mm. island. And so that was the big whammy this morning that everyone, clearly in a cost of living crisis, Massive hikes on electricity are not yeah. going to go down well, so there's no way you can package that story and people... There's no positive angle to it, is there? No. Um, it does can't... make me wonder why nothing in the island seems to have been invested in for decades. It's always the excuse, isn't it? I mean, I remember when the schools debates um, were going on, God knows how many years ago now, when they first started talking about transforming secondary education, and it was the lack of investment in Lamar de Cartra, and then the lack of investment in the harbours, and the lack of investment so, in the air, a lack of investment here, there, and everywhere. Why? Why was nothing being invested back into our island? Which is why, know. you know... You can always blame the previous term, can't yeah. you? Well, a there lot is of no our politicians now have been in there for more than one term, haven't they? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we could talk forever about, you know, what should have been done. It's... It's now what it's we what need we to have do to deal with now. To pay for, as you said, you know, this infrastructure for the electricity and stuff. Um, but yeah. For the average household, it equates to about two hundred pound extra a year, which is a lot of money for people who are already struggling with two jobs, yeah. and you know, prices of food is going yeah. up. The shops have never been more expensive, and um, mm. so it hasn't been particularly popular. And there'll be a lot to come of that. And I think there are questions to be asked of some of the reasonings behind it and we haven't got around to doing that yet um, because as I said this was kind of a two-pronged story for me this week working on it. Mm. Um, often we get tip-offs and emails from members of the public or groups of people and so earlier this week we had an email from uh, an anonymous group of alleged Guernsey Electricity employees yeah. who were raising concerns about how the finances at Guernsey Electricity being managed and so approaching how we were going to report that and investigate that has been part of the, the half end of my week this week and getting response from Guernsey Electricity on credit and debit levels and um, how the consultation process was undertaken for the, for the tariff increase. And so it's been very interesting to get into the meat of all of this and um, it will be ongoing because Guernsey Electricity is lightning rod. <laughs> There's a lot to look into there, though, isn't there? As you said, and, and it's for some people it will be the difference between making ends meet yeah. or not when the prices rise. So anything that kind of we can shed light on what's been going on and at how they electricity and how decisions have been reached and absolutely where money has been spent or not spent in the you know in the in the past. It comes down, doesn't it? It's it's the same as when the states come after tax rises to pay for anything. They've got to prove. Yeah. that it needs to be done mm. um, and have Guernsey Electricity won that argument and I know they've been softening us all up for a while yeah. about yeah. the need to yeah. restructure the bills and 
Um, do you understand your bill, by the way? Because I yeah. don't understand that. <laughs> when, I, when it comes through, I don't even... I, I just. We've been trying to fix that for a while as well. I, I, That's I, part and parcel of it. I do wonder if it. it's just me and my inability to read numbers properly. Well, I everyone should be understand. able to read their bill. Yeah, yeah. I cannot yeah. understand my it electricity is, bill. Everyone should understand their electricity bill. But yeah, there's a lot of questions to answer, isn't there? Yeah. There is. So it's a story that keeps on giving. <laughs> and we should also find out soon as well a banded scale of what not just Guernsey Electricity, but all states-owned uh, yes. trading entities mm. are paid in a similar way that we have now with law officers, yes. senior yeah. officers that work in Frostside House. Uh, we already have that information for deputies as well uh, in terms of... For example, committee presidents are paid more yeah. than non-committee presidents, naturally. Um, but we're going to get that soon for, um, in lieu of actual hard figures and bonus numbers, which we have been pushing for last year. Um, but we will get that. And um, when that information is made public, which it will be and it will be soon, um, mm. the optics won't be, you know, the optics will be more challenging yeah. from that yeah, point. Yeah, that's definitely one For all careful. these executives in these companies. Um, absolutely well unless anyone's got anything else to say I'm going to draw a line underneath there so I can pull this together and we don't stay here for the rest of the day and enjoy the bank holiday weekend absolutely you look like about to say something (laughs) (laughs) enjoy the rest of your bank holiday enjoy the rest of the bank holiday talk about the plants Uh, we can talk about the plants if we want oh yeah so Bailiwick Express News we bought a bunch of plants today Including this one, which is attacking me constantly. Yeah, so I think we're building quite a nice repertoire of plants in this office, which is good. Makes us all healthier. So as far as optics goes, (laughs) (laughs) the optics here are fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Nigel Farage has been finding out about the optics in the cock and bull. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So his his optics, the takeaway from this. That's good. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Bailiwick Express podcast. The title track was Shift My Weight by Luno. If you enjoyed it, I know it's a pain, but please like and share. It all helps. And remember, you can hit bailiwickexpress.com to stay right up to date with whatever is happening in the Bailiwick. You can find us online, on social, on email, and on internet radio. There'll be more from me, Matthew Leach, and all the Bailiwick Express team next Friday.